You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another off-day debrief, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Happy Wednesday to you and happy to be joined by a very jolly, jovial, and pleasant Brandon Lee Gowden. What's up, PLG? Stats, glad to be here with you after a big Sixers win last night. Love to see it. Love to see Joel Embiid thriving. I hate to see he didn't win MVP, but uh, Sixers won, and he's going to win finals MVP, so it's all good. You got the 76ers hat on today, big smile on your face, you're in a good mood, and we were talking before we started recording about how we both love Joel Embiid, about how we like his personality, right? We like the guy he is, he talks trash, he does that, and it kind of sparked a thought for me, like that is my favorite thing when the best players have the best personalities, like Mike Trout in baseball, best player in the sport, no personality whatsoever. No interest in being a personality, no interest in being a star, just wants to go about and do his work, which is fine, but it's better when you got a guy like Embiid. I mean, Mike Trout's biggest personality is like that he's an Eagles fan and he shows up to <laughs> Eagles games. And then, uh, but then he's a fraud because he signs this extension with the Angels instead of coming to the Phillies. So, uh, is he truly a Philly guy? No, he's not, clearly. He, he betrayed the city. <laughs> Um, stats, I wanted to get something else in before uh, we get into the show. And it actually kind of touches on this theme. One of the players I have touches on the theme of the show. So I'll, I'll let you introduce that. But also wanted to say, uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. I guess it's follow now, technically, on the new iPhone format. That the, the update, it's not even subscribe anymore. But whatever, follow along. And also leave a review that tells us how you found the oddcast. That could be a fun way to uh, kind of get involved in the in the review section. Absolutely. If you leave us a question, we promise you we will answer it. Okay, you mentioned the theme of today's show. We're going to do two things. First, we're going to still react to the trade of Julio Jones because Charles McDonald of For the Win was very upset on Twitter about the trade of his favorite player for the Atlanta Falcons, formerly worked for us here at SB Nation with the Falcoholic. And uh, so we're going to talk to him for a little bit about the trade, about what the plan is for the Atlanta Falcons, if there even is one. We're going to do that. But we're also going to take a look at the remaining free agents, some big names still left on the market. What's up with them? Maybe some best fits for them going forward, because we're at that point of the offseason, BLG, where teams are looking to sort of put the capper on their team, right? Like you can't be looking for a guy to build your offense or your defense around, but you're just trying to fill in the cracks, so to speak. There's still some good talent out there, Stats. And obviously last week was kind of a relevant date in terms of the post-June 1. We haven't seen like a ton of action yet, but I feel like we could be seeing some here. Um, You know, some veterans are probably going to sign closer to training camp or even – 
in training camp because some of these guys look they've been through it before they don't need like to go through another camp so they're purposely going to just wait until maybe later in the summer so they don't have to go through the full grind and can kind of just catch on with the team right before the season obviously there's also another significant landmark in the nfl calendar which is team signing players after week one because as you know if a team carries that player through the week one roster then their salary for that year is fully guaranteed so uh, but for right now there's some really good guys still available that I think are definitely going to sign before the season. Like, kind of surprising. Like, when you look at the list, it's like, oh, that guy's still available? Like, so it's interesting. Yeah, when you start to go through and actually look at some of the names, like, you're you're kind of like, damn, if you put together a team with just these guys, they might be pretty good. Probably better <laughs> than the Jags, you might think. Um, before we get into the list, let's get into the reaction to the Julio Jones trade. As I said, I was scrolling through Twitter after it happened on Sunday, and I'm seeing Charles McDonald just, you know, he's tweeting his way through it, basically. Very unhappy. In would his rather, feelings. Yes. Would rather give back all the draft picks than trade Julio Jones. So I wanted to talk to him. I wanted to have him on to get his reaction and so here he is from For the Win, the host of the Counter Podcast for For the Win. Charles McDonald joins us now. Charles, are you okay? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> but I will be. I mean, for me, as a you know a Falcons fan in my mid twenties, I feel like there are, uh, you know, kind of like two icons that the team has had since like people in my age have been uh conscious about like you know what's going on in the field and that's Michael Vick and Julio Jones. I mean I know like for some people Matt Ryan falls into that category and I'm sure that we'll be having you know another sad little poor one out session in a, a couple of years over that. But you know for a big portion of the fan base like these two icons that you kind of relate to and see and become in awe of over your Michael Vick and Julio Jones and you kind of hope that you know both will be able to finish their career with the Falcons. Vic obviously did not for uh, his own doings, uh, which, you know, it could be a whole separate podcast. But with Julio, you know, it's just kind of sad because it really just became, to me at least, like the Falcons' fault by just bungling so many free agent and draft moves over the past few years where the team isn't nearly as competitive as it needs to be. And Julio Jones looks at it and is like, man, I only got a couple years left to – kind of make a real run at, uh, you know, another Super Bowl. So uh, it's time for me to get my way out of here. And, like, I understand the reasoning for that, but to see what I think is, like, the best player in franchise history go is pretty sad. And especially in a year where, like, you look at their offseason and, and you could kind of make sense of, like, all right, well, they're going to go with Kyle Pitts and you have Julio Jones and Ridley and Matt Ryan, and maybe you just go one last run. But, you know, I don't think that that's quite as feasible without Julio. It kind of makes you question the entire offseason plan. Well, speaking of questioning things, I have to ask you about this. You tweeted, and I quote, <laughs> I'm sadder now than I was after the Super Bowl. <laughs> I am. I, I totally am. How? <laughs> because, I mean, it's 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 – too like it's like one once in a lifetime thing where uh the way that I was looking at it was like the Super Bowl was like yeah it sucked but that was just a one off day to kind of crush you like this is 10 years in the building where you've kind of like grown attached to 
uh, like this player being on your team and then it's just not there anymore. Like the level of like, e- even in the years where the Falcons were really bad, like at least I knew I could turn on my TV and be like, all right, maybe Julian will do something crazy today. You know, like the Super Bowl was sad as an event in itself, but this just kind of closes the door on really like the last era of Falcons football that I'll be like bleeding and attached to like with my heart. So that, that I guess like the, the, the sentiments of the Julio trade may be much sadder. Yeah. The Julio trade to me, Charles never made sense from a, like, what are the Falcons doing? Like, what is their plan? Are they rebuilding? I don't know. Are they trying to win now? Like, why are you restructuring Matt Ryan, not drafting a quarterback? Like if you want to trade Julio and kind of move on and get like, I don't, what are they doing? What is the plan here? I have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> uh, and it's just like, they're just kind of just floating around. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not sure. Like, you know, like there are a lot of fans right now who are just like talking themselves into, oh, you know, like, uh, Julio, he missed time uh, anyways. Even though like if you actually look at the amount of games that Julio played, the, the time that he missed is kind of like greatly exaggerated. Like last year was, I think, I think last year, maybe one of the earlier year where he got hurt is like really the only time he's missed extended amount of times in his career. Every other year he's playing 14, 15, 16 games, so... Uh, I think people who are just like, oh, we don't need him. Yeah, you're you're crazy. But here's my thing with the whole process of it. Like, if you're the Falcons, and based on the reporting that we've received since this Shannon Sharp incident is saying that basically Julio wanted out starting in December, and, like, they knew that. Basically, I, I think what, what Ian Rappaport or Peter King reported was that when Dan Quinn, when Dan Quinn got fired – uh, Julio was done, and you know, I I, I think that's really interesting because uh, obviously Dan Quinn, like he had a, a really really strong relationship with the players in Atlanta uh, during his time there. But I guess I didn't quite realize it was that strong, you know, where you know Julio Jones would be like, "All right, you, you fired my guy DQ, I'm done." Uh, but if you if you've decided as a franchise, you know, we're going to honor this request as, you know, the best player in franchise history, blah, 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 blah. We're going to do you a solid. How was the next step you make to restructure Matt Ryan and take a tight end fourth overall? Like, to me, that just, it's like you're not being honest with yourself about how close you are to actually being able to go on another run. I mean, this defense still has holes in it. The offensive line is not very good outside of, like, Jake Matthews and a few games with Chris Lindstrom every year. Like, this team is still really, really far away. So I feel like if you were going to, honor that request and trade Julio. Look, let's just rip off the whole thing. Let's trade Matt Ryan. Let's ship off another piece, like a, another piece or two, maybe Deion Jones to see if we can get some more uh, cap relief and let's just start over. Like you're going to eat a bunch of dead money for the 2021 season. But honestly, I think that that's not a big deal if you already realize that you're not that close to competing and you're just going to kind of take the L for this year. So like, I feel like if I was running the team, Kyle Pitts probably – is not a realistic option if I'm going to end up trading Julio Jones because, like, the point of Kyle Pitts is to round out, like, this three-headed receiving monster to give one more push for the Matt Ryan era. And that, that that's just not feasible anymore. So I don't know why they didn't just, like, either you take Justin Fields at four or you just trade down and see if you can get a team to come up at four. Like, the fact that they just sat still at four and took a tight end, like, as good as I think Kyle Pitts can be, and I think that he can be – you know, an elite, elite, elite NFL tight end. Uh, it just is a, quite a baffling process for a team that seems to think they're a lot closer to going on the run than they actually are. 
So to follow up on that, my question is like, where's your frustration directed at or who is it directed at? Like, you, you know, you have a new GM and head coach in here. Is it, is it ownership? That's the problem. Oh yeah. Uh, I've, I think that at this point it's just gotta be Arthur Blake. Cause the, the, the willingness to just kind of hold on to these, like these weakening pieces, these weakening chips, like the, the I think the Falcons biggest issue really over the past few years. And I don't think that it required like, yeah, after the Super Bowl in the 2017 season, I don't think that it required like a full rebuild, but I don't think that they were honest with themselves on how close they were to a Super Bowl. And I think that that, that is something that really starts uh, up top with Arthur Blank, because that's, you know, this is his team. Like he needs to be more aware of like, like where his team is in relation to the rest of the league. Uh, and then two, like Arthur Blank, he signed off on a lot of bad contracts uh, over the years. Like I don't really care about him getting strong armed by Julio Jones and paying him twenty two million dollars a year. That's whatever. Uh, but you know, signing off on James Carpenter and Jamon Brown to fix the offensive line a couple years ago, like you keep coming with these these bad contracts and the owner signing off on it, and he's not willing to pull the plug on this stuff. So. You know, I mean, I get it. It's been a really fun ride. I mean, there aren't many teams that your quarterback gets arrested for dogfighting, and you only really have one bad year in 2007 and 2008. Matt Ryan comes back. Like, I get why it's hard to to pull the plug on that. But, hey, like, if, if we're going to lose Julio Jones, then we need to be, have honest conversations about the ceiling of the rest of his team. And the truth is, like, even with Arthur Smith being – a ridiculously good player car like he is. I don't think the ceiling is that high. Like, let's just look at the 49ers last year. No one's going to question Kyle Shanahan's chomps as a play caller, but at the end of the day, the talent just wasn't good enough to get them to where they need to go. And that's why they ended up taking Trey Lance. And I think that, you know, the Falcons could find themselves in a similar situation uh, this year. How much of a factor is the situation you just mentioned? The fact that Atlanta has their coach and Bobby Petrino literally take off in the middle of the night to go back to college to leave the team high and dry. Michael Vick gets arrested for dogfighting and Matt Ryan goes basically into NFL Siberia and pulls this team out of, I mean, a historically bad situation that we have never seen in the history of the league. Do you think that that maybe that Arthur's uh, Arthur Blank has sort of a soft spot for Matt Ryan, and that's sort of why we're in the situation we're in now? Oh yeah, how could you not? I mean, because because that 2007 spot, like you're at risk of losing <laughs> like a decade's worth of fans coming up uh, if you're not competitive, and you hit on the first quarterback pick that you took after Michael Vick. So yeah, and, and I mean he's been a really good player for a long time. I mean. I don't think that he's there anymore. But, like, after that MVP season, you know, people were like, hey, like, if this level of play continues or if you can stay close to this level of play, like, maybe this could be a guy that sneaks into the Hall of Fame, you know, way down the line. But I don't, I don't think we're there anymore. But, like, the fact that you were there at one point, you know, this is a guy who's going to get his jersey retired by the team. He's going to be in the ring of honor. Like, he's probably going to be the last one to everywhere. Uh, number two for the Falcons again. Like, yeah, I, I get why Arthur Blank is having a tough time coming to the realization that this era of Falcons football is effectively over. But 
billionaires are going to do what they want to do at the end of the day. And if he wants to just keep paying Matt Ryan because he's not being honest with himself about where the Falcons are organizationally, then I guess that's his prerogative. So what does the post Julio Jones uh, offense look like? Like, is it running through Kyle Pitts? Is it, you know, Calvin Ridley really steps up? Does Russell Gage do anything? Like take us through what in your mind, like that landscape looks like. I would expect Calvin Ridley to have a a monster season again, because I think that having him as the top dog is not an issue in any way. Like on paper, having, you know, we're going to run to the season with Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, like there are teams that would love to have that. Uh, but it's not what I started with, you know, like, and, that, and that's the problem. I was, I was looking here, I was looking at Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, and Kyle Pitts, and I don't have that anymore. So that that's why it's upsetting. But just as a whole, you know, I guess like you're losing a ton of targets uh, with Julio being gone. Like, I would guess like at, at least 150 based on how, uh, things have gone with Matt Ryan and Julio uh, really over the course of their careers. You're, you're probably losing anywhere from like uh, 140 to 170 targets. So there's going to be a lot of action for Pitts to come make his his move uh, as a rookie. Like I see uh, betting markets where the over-under on his season is like 875 yards, which is insane for a tight end, a rookie tight end. But when you watch him play and you look at the opportunity that's here, I don't really see why he couldn't hmm. hit that. I definitely expect Ridley and Pitts to do a lot of the heavy lifting, which for a 20-year-old rookie tight end who doesn't turn 21 until October, that, that might be tough for him. But he's also so talented that he might be able to shoulder that load uh, year one. But still, it's, it's a lot to ask of him. Charles McDonald is a co-host on the Counter Podcast for For the Win, formerly of the Falcoholic here at SB Nation. At least you could sign your draft picks now, Charles. Yeah, at least we can sign, you know, Ricky Grant and Jalen Mayfield. All it, all it took was uh, to lose the best player in franchise history in a future Hall of Famer. <laughs> He's still playing at a really high level. Like, that's another thing that people, I keep saying, I keep seeing people say, oh, you know, he's washed, like, he's hurt, he's over the hill. I'm like, man, like, this is the first year since 2013 that he's missed, like, an extended amount of games and, he set a career high in yards per target and it was second in DVOA last year. Like, why are, you, are we saying that he sucks now? I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, I, I think that Titans offense is going to be crazy if the new offensive coordinator is just like a sentient human being. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks again to Charles for the time, BLG. And one thing he said, I know that stuck out to you because you gave your trademark, hmm, right after he said it. I know when you throw in the hmm, that something has sparked your interest, and that has to be the over-under on yards for Pitts this year, 875. Yeah, I mean, there's just no way that, uh, I mean, just looking at history stats, like the the precedent, I mean, you couldn't have a really good rookie season as a tight end, and you're still only hitting like 500, 600 yards, really? Um, what the record is by Ditka it was over a thousand, but it was also a long time ago. It's also a different era of football. It's also a team I'm guessing where like they didn't have a lot of great receiving talent and kind of, you know, were funneling the offense through him. I think, you know, having Calvin Ridley there and then even Russell Gage, who I think is, you know, had a good year last year and maybe could take another step forward with Julio leaving. Um, I, and, and it's not even anything against Pitts. Like that's, that's the, the thing about it. It's not like I, I doubt Kyle Pitts. It's just like the, the historical precedent for tight end 
uh, rookie tight ends to have like great. It's just it's crazy for him to have that kind of season. I, I just think it's nuts. I, I I can't reasonably predict that. Right. If he's going to hit that over, it's going to be one of the best rookie seasons by a tight end in the history of the NFL. It's also kind of crazy that the rookie receiving record for tight ends was set in 1961. Like the same year Roger Maris was breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. That is insanity, but that's where we are. But anyway, we thanks to Charles. Let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll start to dive into our list of the best remaining free agents and where they possibly could end up. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Off Day Debrief. Okay, BLG, you and I have spent... The day yesterday, combing through the remaining free agents, scouring the list of people, because there's some big names that are still out there that I think can still be significant contributors to teams this year. So we thought we would go through some of those. Who was the first name that jumped out on your list? It is a player that you are familiar with, stats, and have been for some time. It's Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman is still out there, and I feel like the best fit for him. When I'm looking, well, maybe not necessarily for him, but the best fit um, for a team, if, if we're looking at it from that perspective, at least the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, ooh. Now look, uh, there's the Dan Quinn connection, so this isn't like breaking. New, this isn't like some something that people haven't thought of. But I just look at their depth chart right now, stats, and they have Kelvin Joseph, you know, their second round pick, who was unreliable in college, by the way, getting suspended. Their attitude things there. Um, he didn't want to play a game at one point. Like he just didn't want to play. Like, <laughs> That's not just, a good look. Yeah, he just decided to like take a game off. Like not. It wasn't like I don't think he was like hurt. Like he just didn't want. To. So like, first of all, it's a rookie, so that reliable to, on the begin to to begin with, and then you have that going on. Like I, I just don't see that. And look, the Cowboys seem to be kind of all in, right? I mean, like you have your quarterback in place. You just paid him a ton of money. Um, you have this offense that I don't know how long you're going to be able to keep together like because you're, you're going to have to pay Michael Gallup at some point. Like you're not going to be able to hold on to what you have here forever. So I feel like, you know, why not get an answer on defense? They obviously missed out on getting uh, Patrick Sertan or JC Horn in the draft. So why not kind of just get that bandaid at this point and get Richard Sherman, who I feel like you can weigh, on, weigh in on here. Uh, based on your 49ers you know, experience watching him there. like I, I still feel like he has something left in the tank. He is not the Richard Sherman of even 2019 when he was really, really good with the 49ers on their way to the Super Bowl. But there's still juice left to squeeze from that orange, so to speak. He still has some football talent left. And if you're the Cowboys, you don't need him to be locked down Richard Sherman. All you're trying to get from your defense is to just be average and maybe make a couple of big plays, a couple turnovers in some key spots, and get Dak and Amari and all those dudes back on the field. That's all you need from your defense. And I feel like, Richard, that's a good fit by you. That is a good spot. He's got to go somewhere where he knows the system because Richard Sherman is not going to be, you know, learning a new system at this point in his career because his best 
asset at this point is his mind. And if you put him in a new system, you sort of diminish that a little bit. So that'd be an interesting choice for the Cowboys. It'd be a big personality, but he'd be a leader on that defense, which I think they kind of need, to be honest with you. Uh, That is an interesting fit. I had not thought of the Cowboys for Richard Sherman. The other one I'd written down on my little list that I have here, Stats, is return to the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, their current starters are Akella Weatherspoon. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. he's the best cornerback in the league, according to him, when he's healthy. (laughs) He must have been injured for his entire career. Debatable, I will say, at the very (laughs) least. And then Trey Flowers, who, not good. So that's just, that's not great for Seattle there. And it kind of be fun, right? Richard Sherman returning home uh, to Seattle. Um, I guess the 49ers are potentially still in the mix for him. I don't know. You would know better than me stats. I kind of saw some of that out there. But uh, the Cowboys the most, but I, I did have the Seahawks there as a, as a thought too. The Seahawks, I think, work kind of for the same reasons you mentioned or I mentioned earlier. Like he knows the system. He fits. They need to be if they can just be average on defense. Russ can get them the rest of the way. But they're still I think there's would be some things that need to be worked out there. I think there's still Mm -hmm. a resentment between Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman. I remember pro football talk earlier this offseason had a story when Russ was like really starting to put the pressure on them in terms of a trade that the Seahawks were entertaining the idea of bringing Richard Sherman back as sort of a way to jab at, at Russell Wilson, because they mm. know that those two guys don't get along. Uh, so that, you know, there would be, need to be some fences mended at that point for that to work out. I actually had the 49ers down on my list. Um, not because I think Richard Sherman is incredible, Uh, But I think there is a role for him and nobody has a better idea of what Richard Sherman is right now in 2021 than the 49ers because he has been there. He obviously knows the system. The Niners have a secondary that could really use some leadership. And more importantly, BLG, I want Richard Sherman there to mentor Trey Lance. Hmm. I want Trey Lance sitting with Richard Sherman for an hour after practice every day hey, here's what I saw from you. I could tell you were going to do this because of this tell you might have. Here's what I'm thinking in this situation. I want Trey Lance to just absorb all of Richard Sherman's knowledge. So that's why I had the 49ers on my list. Who is your top guy, your top remaining free agent, or or at least your first one? The first guy I want to talk about, and I I think you're going to push back on this one a little bit, but it's actually Le'Veon Bell. And... I know that he's been kind of a forgotten guy, but he's still only 29 years old. Like, this is not an old guy. He's not 32, 33 years old. Everybody keeps talking about how Sam Darnold is going to be so much better because he's away from the Jets and Adam Gase. Well, what about Le'Veon Bell? When he went to the Jets, he was one of the best running backs in the league coming out of Pittsburgh. Everybody loved him. Oh, he's so patient. He's got a great style. What a weapon he is. He goes to football Siberia with the Jets and drops off the map. If anybody's going to bounce back after leaving Adam Gase, I think it could be Le'Veon Bell. Now, I don't think he's you know, a 300-carry-a-year guy anymore, a 300-touch-a-year guy anymore. But this guy, can he gained three yards after contact last season. So he's got some fight in him. He's a really good wide receiver still, BLG. If you need an extra running back, you know, a change-of-pace guy, he's not going to cost you a ton. I think Le'Veon Bell could be a steal. Did you have any teams in mind? Because I guess, I mean, I guess he's not going back to the Jets, although, you know, new regime, but I'm guessing still not going to happen. Um, The Dolphins probably, right, could use some help in the backfield still. Um, Maybe even looking at the Falcons, the Texans, like, 
I don't know the the definite fit for him. I hear you as a role player, though. If he, you know, he's willing to accept that role as, you know, uh, I guess a running back two at best, maybe even RB three. Um, if he's willing to be realistic about who he is at this point in his career and accept this role, sure. What about the Chargers? Hmm. Right. I mean, they've got. First of all, they always seem to have injury problems. I would love the idea of bringing in Le'Veon Bell with the Chargers. You give Justin Herbert a little bit of, you know, another weapon out there. I know they have Eckler, but the dude is always hurt. I feel like he's got a perpetual hamstring strain. Add Le'Veon Bell to that mix there. He'd be a great outlet for a young quarterback. It'd give him a chance to contend, which I think is obviously important to him at this point in his career. Like I said, he's 29 years old. And if I'm the Chargers, like, you just have to keep stacking weapons when you're in the division with the chiefs like yeah Le'Veon bell sure come on down like keep adding to the pile there for the chargers bell might be one of those free agents where they're kind of on like maybe you could call them like the speed dial free agents like they're not going to sign right now it's like a team it's just kind of or the player is waiting for an injury to pop up somewhere and then like teams are also kind of have him on their list of because teams have that you know they have in addition to like a draft board they have like uh pro personnel boards of players available and you know they have an injury somewhere it's like all right who's the top guy at our running back position oh it's Le'Veon Bell let's get him in here so yeah maybe maybe it's not a situation they send him right now but he's kind of just out there on the market and then they add him if they need to yeah that's the oh shit list oh shit Austin Eckler went down <laughs> who do we have okay Le'Veon Bell let's dial him up I totally agree and I think you're going to get a motivated Le'Veon Bell because I think he knows that his stock is kind of down you know, we thought that maybe he would sort of blossom in Kansas City, but that offense is all about Mahomes. It's not, you know, what was he going to do? That I don't think anybody was going to really go there and, and blow up. Uh, I think he's going to be motivated. I think that he knows his career is, you know, winding down. He's on the back nine for a year or maybe two. There's juice left to squeeze from that orange, like I said earlier. Better to be on the oh shit list than the shit list. <laughs> right. They're, they're similar lists, but. Uh, my next fit stats is not a big name, kind of like yours of Le'Veon Bell, which is not even a top 10 for agent. I would argue, although, you know, profile once upon a time, big name, but uh, obviously in recent years hasn't been the same player. I would say Garyon Conley stats, not a big name, but uh, this is a guy former first-round pick. He only turns 26 at the end of this month, which is kind of crazy that he's still out there at all. The Eagles actually stats, and I have him going to the Eagles here, spoiler alert, um, they would have taken him potentially at number 14 overall in 2017 if not for all that off-the-field stuff that kind of popped up like really shortly before the draft that year. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, they've had interest in him in the past. He missed 2020 due to, quote, complications from his off-season arthroscopic ankle surgery. And his rehab didn't go well. He had issues, the issues uh, affected his mobility. He had flexibility pain level during uh, training camp. That's all from Aaron Wilson. The Eagles have nothing right now. Stats at quarterback, <laughs> too. Like, Michael Jaquette, the third, who was a UDFA what? signing. Yeah, you don't even know who that is. He was a UDFA signing last year. He got absolutely destroyed by the Cowboys in week 16, like just roasted. He's actually benched in game. And I felt bad for the guy because like, you know, it, like the role was clearly too big for him. Like he didn't ask to be there. Like he was doing his, he was battling. He was trying, but he just like wasn't good enough. Um, and I bring up his name stats because he was lining up 
with the Eagles' first team defense when I was out there at OTAs last week uh, and as their starting cornerback, too, across from Darius Slay. And I'm like, like I like Michael Zaket for the effort he showed last year, but, like, come on, man. That can't be your cornerback, too. So the Eagles need another cornerback. I know a lot of Eagles fans out there want Steven Nelson, who is arguably, I think, pretty much is the top cornerback available. But he's a little bit older. I think he's also going to command a lot more money than what the Eagles like realistically might want to pay. I think if you're looking for, if you're any team out there, let's just say not the Eagles, this is an activity. Isn't just, just a matchup. It's also the profile of the players. If you're any team out there who like needs a flyer on a cornerback, why not take a chance on this guy? You're talking about a guy who was the 24th overall pick in the draft. The year he came out, uh, he was banged up last year. He spent the year on IR, but I also like the fit with him and Slay there. I, I love Darius Slay. I think he's a really good player. I like the idea of Slay kind of taking Conley under his wing a little bit. You know, sometimes maybe he can sort of get get the most out of him, get something out of him that maybe somebody else in another team wasn't able to do. I like that. And like you said, with the Eagles, like it's all also a question of what do you have now? You know, he might not be a Pro Bowl player for you, but if he's an upgrade, you should do it. And I think sometimes like teams don't think of it in those simple terms, but like sometimes you just got to ask yourself, is this player better? If the answer is yes, and the money is not going to be crazy, then you should add him to your team. It's kind of a simple equation. Well, it's also a, if again, if we're just looking at bigger picture too, which I always like to do, as you know, stats, this isn't just like, so you're signing Gary on Conley. The Eagles aren't trying to necessarily go all in for a Super Bowl this year, which again right. is maybe why they wouldn't sign a Steven Nelson as much as they could sign a Conley who definitely isn't as good and established, but could in theory be a long-term piece. Like to add a guy on a one-year deal, and then if he stinks, then fine. You just move on from him next year, no big deal. But if he's good, okay, now you might have a long-term starter here. Like it's something that isn't just about this year. I think there's that's something to consider too with these free agents. It's not just about finding a guy who makes you the best possible team this year. It's also about trying to find that long-term answer sometimes. And that could be a situation where he says, hey, Philly believed in me. They took a flyer on me. They gave me a chance to prove myself. I did. And maybe I want to stick with them. Maybe I'm willing to take a little bit less money to stick in Philadelphia if it actually does uh, work out there for Gary and Conley. Uh, my next guy on the list is also a defensive guy, BLG, and that's Melvin Ingram, uh, pass ah. rusher. He's not going to be like your stud main source of pass rushing anymore. That's not who he is. He's been banged up. He played in seven games last year, but 2020 was his best passing rush grade in three years from pro football focus. Mm -hmm. He's he's somebody that has shown if you pair him with another really good pass rusher like he was with San Diego slash L.A. with Joey Bosa. He can be effective for you. If he's the guy getting all the double teams, he's not going to be. But if you if you need a complimentary pass rusher, I think that Melvin Ingram has something left. And let's be honest, who in the NFL doesn't need another good pass rusher? Like I can go through and pick teams like I could pick the 49er, but, but pretty much every team in the league could use another good complimentary guy. So I have him on my list too, Stats, and I actually have him going specifically or at least should be going to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, as mm. you mentioned, Ingram's pass uh, rush grade, he also had a 12.8 pressure rate, which ranked top five, or sorry, top 25, not top five, top 25 last year, according to PFF. And uh, right now, stats, the Dolphins starting outside linebackers on their depth chart are Jalen Phillips, who I think a lot of people thought like is arguably the top 
talent, like just based on tape alone, I've heard Benjamin Solak say this is like the top pass rusher from this year's draft. Now, obviously it wasn't just simple as the tape for him due to his concussion history and everything, you know, that's, that's gone on with him uh, and off the field in terms of like, you know, how much does this guy love football and everything? So, and he retired, you know, <laughs> at one point. So uh, <laughs> like, I don't know how reliable he is, although he's talented. And then Andrew Van Ginkle stats. Yeah. Van Gink. <laughs> so I feel like you you just want to add a little bit more there. I remember looking at the the Dolphins defensive line like previously, even just before doing this exercise. And I just was like, I don't really love a lot of what's here. Like it's fine, but like, it feels like they could afford to add more. I think you add Mel- Melvin Ingram in there. I also had, or Justin Houston written down because he's still out there too. So I definitely feel like they could add another pass rusher. I was looking at Justin Houston last night, and to me, I think Ingram is the better player at this point. I agree. Like, Houston is, he still flashes some, but he, to me, he seems a lot more diminished than Ingram. So I was like, I wanted to pick a pass rusher because everybody always needs one. And I was going back and forth on those two guys, and I didn't realize that Ingram kind of bounced back a little bit last year when he was able to stay on the field. So I went with him, and I like your fit of Miami, too, because I'm not as sold on Miami as everybody else seems to be. I feel like there's a bunch of people predicting big things for them this year. They obviously have major questions at quarterback, but, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm enamored with stars. I don't know how many stars are on this Miami Dolphins roster. Like, how many would you say? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, is Devontae Parker a star? Would you count him? Right. The fact that you have to ask means no. Hmm. I mean, two is a star from just from like recognizability, but that hasn't like proven himself as a like talent level star. Um, who are we missing? This is a good question. That, that's what I'm saying. Like I'm, I look at their roster and I'm not saying it's a bad roster because it's not by any stretch of the imagination. But when I look at the names on the roster and I compare that to how people are talking about the Miami Dolphins, I, I just feel like something's kind of missing there. I think you could argue their coach is a star. <laughs> I think there's a case for that. Um, that's not exactly what you're asking. I mean, Jalen Waddle, I think, is star potential um, looking through their roster right now. I wouldn't say Will Fuller is a star. Right. Um, Mike Gusecki could kind of be on the rise to start him, but I don't think I don't know if he's one right now. Yeah, and then defensively, I mean, uh, Xavier Howard is a star, like no question. Okay. Um, I think you could make the case for Byron Jones, but maybe not. Um, I would say Howard for sure. So you you gave me a lot of this guy's well known in college. This guy could be, but not yet. So far, we have one name on the list. And when I look at teams in the AFC and who they're going to be competing against, like that's not going to get it done. That's not going to be enough. A lot of those coin flips like you're talking about are going to have to come up heads for the Mm -hmm. Dolphins to be the kind of team that people are talking about them being this year. So they need to add Melvin Ingram, add some more star power. (laughs) It helps. It's right. Like, again, if he's better than what you got, take him. I think, too, with veteran pass rushers, that's something that you can find reasonably. Like, on the free agent market, I think about, not to take it back to the Eagles, but to always take it back to the Eagles. Like, Chris Long, <laughs> you know, when he came in, um, I always think about how John Abraham, like, went late into his career. Like, I just, like, there, I think there's a 
like there's a market for pass rushers. And I almost think they could be undervalued sometimes because maybe they're not full-time players anymore. So they're not getting that big deal and they're not getting all this attention. And this is why there's always a reason players are still out in the market. And obviously I think Ingram didn't have sacks last, any sacks last year and he was limited, like you said, and the game's played and he's getting older, but like, that doesn't mean he's just like done. I mean, it means like he's probably able to contribute in a small role and you can hopefully make the most out of that. Let me ask you about this guy uh, because I saw the name on the list and I was going to put him on mine. And then I, something in my head was like, you know what? Ask BLG about this on the show. So all Sean Jeffrey, (laughs) he's flashed ability at times. (laughs) He can't be your best wide receiver. Um, The last image of him that I think of is him dropping that pass in the Eagles Mm. playoff game. Um, I haven't even seen like a ton of interest in him. There are None. a couple other receivers on the market, like Danny Amendola is still out there. If you look at some of the receivers out there, would you give Alshon Jeffrey a call, or is he not even on your ocean list? I mean, I feel like Alshon, like maybe he'll prove me wrong and I'll regret this, but I kind of feel like he's just done so. Or at least he looked so last year. Now he was coming off of, uh, I think it was an Achilles injury that he suffered in late December 2019. And then, you know, he was on the pup list for the Eagles until like November or so. So he clearly, you know, didn't have like a full off season of health to prepare for the season. But it is kind of weird, like how no one has talked about signing him like at all. I haven't seen him even like connected to anything in the thinnest <laughs> way, like nothing, not even like, hey, this team is like theoretically interested in him, like nothing. So I did see his name on the list and I kind of wondered, uh, he will not be back in Philly. That of that, I am sure stats they gave away his 17 to a uh, quarterback, a former college quarterback now playing wide receiver. So clearly they really Oof. miss him a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I can't think of a fit. Like the thing with Alshon is that like, I don't think he's good enough to start right now. Um, and like, if he's a backup, he's not playing special teams, obviously. Like, so his value right. is limited. I think it has to be a situation where he's on the OS list, as you said, and like a team, you know, they lose a couple wide receivers and they kind of just need a guy who has been there before and knows what he's doing. And at that point, maybe it's worth it. If he's contributing as a role player in a small role, I think you can kind of maybe get something out of him, especially if you have a quarterback who kind of likes to throw the ball up in the air and he can fight for it. But a uh, very, very limited market. And I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he's just done. That's what I'm looking for with with these kind of signings, though, right? Like you said, Guys that can succeed in limited roles in small situations, like maybe it is, you know, a third and five and your quarterback's under pressure and he chucks it up and all Sean goes up and gets it. You're looking for guys that with specific skills that fit specific roles. And so when I look at the wide receivers, I mentioned all Sean Jeffrey. What about Danny Amendola? To me, like mm. he's kind of forgotten because he's been up in Detroit. But he had over 600 yards last year. He played in 14 games, still averaged over 13 yards per catch. Maybe this is me being a homer here, but if I need a guy in the slot, a veteran guy that knows what he's doing, like I would love it if the 49ers brought in Danny Amendola. They haven't had a slot guy that can, you know, make those short catches, move, keep the chains moving, make some contested catches possibly. Like I, I love Danny Amendola for the 49ers, and I think people are kind of sleeping on him because he's short, he's white, he's 35 years old, and I think there's some value there. Danny Amendola's uh, yards per reception last year, 13.1, highest mark of his career. 
And it wasn't even like a small sample size either. Like his volume was kind of relatively on pace with the rest of his career. So uh, interesting to see that, you know, he hasn't got as much interest. Uh, obviously, he's older, but maybe you're looking at a team stats that kind of has like a rookie quarterback. And it's a situation where like there aren't any reliable options for them out there. And, and maybe due to injury, maybe due to roster neglect or whatever. And maybe it's kind of a situation like we just kind of need someone, this quarterback, this rookie quarterback who's struggling can trust. So let's sign Danny Amendola and he'll at least kind of be like a safety blanket for maybe it's not even a rookie quarterback, but a second year one, a, a young quarterback who kind of just looks like they're, they're struggling and they just need someone they can rely on. Um, I don't know who that is off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, I guess I didn't even realize he was still out there. That's the thing. See, you're right. Like people don't realize that there's some value there. I think the 49ers would be good, especially with Shanahan would be able to scheme him open, which he's probably going to need at this point because I'm sure he's lost a little bit of speed and quickness. I think he'd be a good fit in Baltimore with the Ravens, right? Mm. Like get Lamar a kind of a safety net, a guy that you know that Amendola is going to be able to find a way to get open when Lamar is scrambling around. Plus, I like the idea of Amendola with Bateman there, you know, kind of tutoring and mentoring the first-round pick. I think that Baltimore would be good. I think that San Francisco would be good. Like you said, even a team like the Jets, right? Rookie quarterback Wilson is going to be there. He's going to be the guy from day one. Bam, stick him with Danny Amendola. There's value, you know, obviously with what they do on the field, but I think there's value with them in the locker room and the veteran leadership that they can provide. I am looking at Danny Amendola's Pro Football Reference page stats, and do you know what his nickname is here listed on the Pro Football Reference page? He has a nickname? He has a nickname. It is Playoff Danny. (laughs) So, okay, here's my issue with the Pro Football Reference nicknames. Like, sometimes they just put stuff that I don't know where they came up with it. Like, if you go to Peyton Manning's page, it says the Mm -hmm. sheriff. I don't know a single person that ever called Peyton Manning the sheriff. Yeah, that's that's 100% true. I know I've always looked at um, Ben Simmons on there as well, taking it to basketball and the Sixers for a second. But there's like uh, the Peacemaker, Fresh Prince, Benny, the Yank. No one calls Ben Simmons the Yank. First of all, no <laughs> one calls Yank? Ben Simmons like, yeah, any of these at all. Like no one, we, everyone just calls him Ben or like Ben Simmons. No, there's, he doesn't even like have a nickname. So uh, that's really funny to me. Playoff Danny. Uh, I'm I I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him that even like ironically like no one <laughs> right so uh, and like it's not like he has a ton of amazing games in the postseason he's had a couple good games for sure but I you know I guess maybe you think of some of like the big plays like he had a couple of good trick plays with the Patriots and stuff like that but I yeah playoff Dan that's not a thing like I wonder if pro football <laughs> reference just sends an email to all the players being like hey fill in your nickname and some guys are like trying to give themselves a nickname that would be bad, though. If if he did that, then I'm out on Danny Amendola. <laughs> Forget his it. Nickname. Um, <laughs> staying in the AFC stats. I don't know if we were in the AFC to begin with. But anyway, in the AFC, uh, Sheldon Richardson, one of the best defensive linemen available. Kind of a weird career for Sheldon Richardson, too, right? Like, he's been on all these teams. Um, he's still out there. It sounds like the Browns could potentially re-sign him still, although I was looking at their defensive line. It kind of seems like they have a lot there. You know, they re-signed or they, they signed. Uh, they added Malik Jackson this offseason, so I don't know if Sheldon Richardson necessarily, like, the playing time and the role is there that he wants. But the team, that seemed like a no-brainer when I was kind of looking at, like, different holes on rosters. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders stats. And I don't know why Sheldon Richardson would want to sign here other than, you know, money talks. <laughs> In Vegas. But, 
yeah, well, it's Vegas, and there's opportunity. There's opportunity for playing time, and that matters for these guys because how, how are you going to get paid next year? It's by playing. Like It's not right. by sitting on the bench. So playing time matters. And the Raiders' top three interior guys stats are Jonathan Hankins, who I didn't even know was in the league still, um, <laughs> Quentin Jefferson, and then your guy Solomon Thomas. Like Those are their top oh. three interior players. So uh, I feel like Sheldon Richardson is a no-brainer there. I think I saw the Packers could also use interior help, but why are you going to sign with the Packers right now when you don't even know Aaron Rodgers is going to be there? So uh, I would not want to sign with the Raiders because I think I, I don't know where they're going, but if they offer the money, then I think Sheldon Richardson, that that's probably the best spot for him. No, I think that makes a lot. Like if you're Sheldon Richardson, you're like, all right, this is going to be a one-year stop for me. I get to play in Vegas for a year in that awesome Death Star, the new stadium. You know, I get to prove my worth. There's opportunity. There's going to be playing time for me. I could spend a year in Vegas playing. Like, there are worse places you could wind up in the NFL for a year. He has had such a weird career, BLG. Like, when he was with the Jets, I think it was his, what was it, 2014, his second year in the league. He had eight sacks, and you're like, this guy's going to be a stud. He's going to be a stud pass rusher. The Jets are going to put together this great defensive line, and they're going to go at it for a few years. And then I feel like he just kind of stopped. Like, it just kind of fell off a cliff, and all of a sudden, like, nobody wanted this dude. In a league that values pass rushers, nobody wanted to touch him with a 10-foot pole. It just seemed really weird to me, and now he's in this place where it's June 9th, and we're talking about where can Sheldon Richardson sign. I feel like the teams that have the last three teams that have signed Sheldon Richardson at the time of their signing were like, it was like this big piece that was going to kind of like help put them over the top. I was like, Oh wow. And now they have Sheldon Richardson too. Like it was with the Seahawks first. It was like, wow, they're, you know, Seahawks have this, this is back in 2017. Like they have this loaded roster, you know, good defensive line. And now they're adding Sheldon Richardson to it. And then it kind of happened with the Vikings and then it kind of happened with the Browns. So it's kind of funny um, that that hasn't really actually really ever pushed those teams over the top. But, you know, you look at his production here. I still think he can be an effective player. As you said, he never I mean, his closest that he ever got to the eight sacks that he had in 2014 were his five in uh, 2015. And then you could say four and a half in 2018 and then last year as well. So, you know, uh, he's not going to give you some amazing kind of interior pass rush production. He's not a star. That's why he's still available. But I mean, for a team like the Raiders, or if you're any team out there that just has like nothing at defensive tackle that you feel good about, or maybe one defensive tackle that you feel really good about, and then like nothing else at that position and it's kind of barren, then Sheldon Richardson's out there and he's too good to not have a team by week one. Is he better than what you have? If the answer is yes, take him. It's a simple formula, but it damn well works. I have two more on my list stats. All right. I'm going to start with Morgan Moses, who was kind of curiously released by the Washington football team. This is a offensive tackle, which is not a position in the NFL that there's an abundance of very clearly mm -hmm. offensive line in general. He was top 15 in PFF grade last year. You know, obviously take PFF for what it's worth, but kind of just as a, a reference point. Um, or I even had Mitchell Schwartz down here, who's 29th. And I saw there's some kind of speculation he could even resign with the Chiefs. I don't know to even be a starter as much as a backup. We're, we'll see on that. But right now, stats, the Eagles, or not the Eagles. I, I always, you know, Eagles brain over here. But the Seahawks, <laughs> taking it back to the Seahawks, they have Brandon Shell at right tackle. And I remember seeing that name before when the Eagles were playing them. And I'm like, who is this guy? Who is Brandon Shell? 
And to Brandon Shell's credit, he was 36 by PFF last year, which seems better than I thought. Um, but again, you talk about Morgan Moses, a top 15 kind of guy. And I think it's not just about upgrading your offensive line, which is a very obvious, important thing to do in a vacuum. It's also about trying to mend fences with Russell Wilson, as you said earlier, stats, and giving him more help on the offensive line. So why not sign a guy who's had a reputation as a high-quality starting right tackle in Morgan Moses or even Mitchell Schwartz? And uh, yeah, that seems like a no-brainer to me. If he's better than what you have, <laughs> That's your default line. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amazing how often it applies. And I think the, the mending fences thing with Russell Wilson is a big deal. Like, you know, they really need to, I think, work on that relationship, even though Russell has kind of um, simmered down his sort of mm. dissatisfaction there. I think it could easily bubble up again, especially if early in the season you start to see him under pressure all the time again and take a lot of sacks and that kind of a thing. Why not bring in another tackle, just another brick that you can put in that relationship and say, hey, we are trying. You know, they were sniffing around Julio Jones. I thought that that would be a good move for them to make. I thought I was a little worried, frankly, that the Seahawks were going to maybe overpay a little bit to try because of the value they would get out of saying to Russell Wilson, look, we just got you Julio Jones. Now you have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Like, please stay here. Um but I, I think Seattle would be a good fit. I know there's a lot of talk about Moses and the Jets, possibly, mm. which I mean, feel like the Jets are in the same boat as Cincinnati. Like every single thing that you do needs to be geared toward protecting your quarterback. I know Makai Becton has plantar fasciitis, which scares me. I don't like that at all for a big guy. That's a nagging injury that could, you know, just be with him all year long. So uh, the Jets make sense also, but the Jets, Seattle, I mean, like you said, there aren't a ton of really quality tackles around the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Joe Douglas, you know, former offensive lineman himself. Looks like he could still play offensive line. He does. He's a very big man. I have seen him <laughs> in the Eagles press box. Um, yeah. So the, the Jets right now have George Fant at right tackle. Um, but it's not just about who your starters are, too, at this point. I mean, if you can add a guy, I mean, especially offensive line, if you could add a very valuable swing tackle or depth guy, I mean, that's important because, uh, Look at the, I look at the Eagles stats who went on a run to the Super Bowl when Jason Peters went down and they had Big V. They had Halapuli Vadi Vaitai to step up at them for uh, at left tackle, and that was huge. It's not just about how you have – the and just look at the Chiefs last year. You know, they get hurt. They didn't have a Big V to step up for them and kind of hold things together. Like, they didn't have that. They, it was a disaster. They couldn't win a championship because their offensive line got totally undone. So, I don't know that the Jets are competing for a championship this year or – uh, but and, and if that makes a difference, but you know, why not bolster the offensive line if you get a chance? And the last one I had stats is just a really quick mention. I just wanted to mention that Malik Hooker kind of fits in the Garyon Conley bucket I mentioned earlier. Now, this is a 25 year old former first round pick who's still out there, and I think he kind of like worked out for the Cowboys at one point. I don't know if they're going to sign him or they kind of are going to move on because they already got Demonte KZ or or what, but um. Kind of just interested to me. Like, you have young players out here who are still in the market. And that's just, like, wild because these are 90-man rosters. And teams are taking chances on players who aren't going to make the roster. Like, there's guys on every roster in the NFL right now that teams know, and probably the players know, like, they're not going to make the team. Because that's what you kind of have to do. Like, you have to fill out your roster with camp bodies. Um, like, guys who kind of just help you eat up reps in practice. They're going to work hard. You know, maybe they can blossom into something. That'd be great. But they're long shots. 
And, you know, why not take a chance on a guy who actually, like, has some theoretical potential? Maybe not actual potential. Maybe he's bad. There's, he's still out there for a reason. Um, but, you know, why not take a chance? Exactly. He's coming off a torn Achilles last year, which obviously is a scary thing. But like you said, there is literally no risk for you. And you could potentially get a guy on a very cheap deal that still has first round talent. I know like, yeah, there are a lot of first round picks that bust, but I mean, he was picked in the first round for a reason. He clearly has some physical skills. It's no risk to you whatsoever to bring him on your team at this point in the year. If he flashes, great, you keep him around. If he doesn't, oh well, but you have everything to gain and nothing to lose. How many of these picks do you think we got right stats? And if we do, should we be the premier podcast in the entire world? I mean, we're not already. <laughs> we're not already. Like, I, Are I you, guess that's news? we can achieve this status, but... Hmm. I don't know. I I think that, honestly, Richard Sherman and Ingram will be... I think those two will definitely be on a roster by the start of the season. Everybody else, oh, yeah. I'm kind of on the fence about. Oh, they're not. You don't think Selden Richardson's going to be on a roster? I'm pretty sure he's going to be on a roster. But then why isn't he on a roster already? Well, because of the June 1 thing. Because a lot... Of, again, I said stats. A lot of these players don't want to sign right now. Because they don't want to have to, like, grind through training camp. You know, training camp's not fun. There's a lot of hard work. And when you can kind of just wait a little bit, maybe a couple weeks into training camp, so you're not going through that full slog, uh, there's a reason for that. I mean, there's that's why, like, there's veteran players out there. Like, Jason Peters, Jason Peters isn't going to sign right now because he doesn't want to go through all of training camp. And he might be on the OS list anyway. But, uh, you know. <laughs> you didn't have him on your list, though. I didn't because he's going to be, he's 39, I think already and uh i think he's kind of a guy that so there's the free agent stats that isn't necessarily realistic about their role at this point and that's a problem you can't have a guy who thinks they're still the guy and should be a starter because they have been in the past but like isn't one anymore like knowing your role to quote uh what's this the rock yeah uh, is important he's a guy like that gets mentioned at the end of when you're talking about like an old Super Bowl team, and I'll give you an example just from my own fandom, the 94 49ers, you talk about their Super Bowl team at day one. And then you say like Deion Sanders said this to me when I was interviewing him uh, Super Bowl week, he was like, you know, Richard Dent was on that team. And it's like, oh yeah, he was veteran guy. They signed, you know, like competed in a very limited role, but that was there and won a championship. I feel like that's the exact same thing with Jason Peters. You're like, you know, Jason Peters was on that team too. Oh yeah, that's right. Like that's, that's the role for him that's left in the NFL. If someone gets hurt, like, you know, maybe it's a situation I talked about how, Big V came in when Jason Peters got hurt. Maybe it's someone like, maybe it's your 49er stats. Maybe Trent Williams gets hurt. You stop and- it. That's enough. <laughs> we have enough injuries already, BLJ. They've already <laughs> lost three people potentially for the season, and it's June. I will not have that blasphemy out of you. I won't even I won't even finish it. I won't I won't try to jinx it for you. Good. Let's finish the show. I can't I don't even want to think about the possibility <laughs> at this point. We thank you for listening. We remind you again, rate. Review and follow. I guess it's follow now. Man, I feel really old that they're, mm. I don't know. The, I'm not hip. I don't know the lingo anymore. I felt like you almost pulled like a Kenny Powers there. I just have a very hard time expressing my emotions and I can't stop from yelling. So I'm going to go ahead and go. But I'm not going to stop yelling because then that'll mean I lost the fight. <laughs> Look, I think we could all take a page out of Kenny Powers' book. Once in a while, I think it's okay. Enjoy your Wednesday, everybody. 
We'll be back next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.